0: hello and welcome to running down corridors join martin chris and abby as they navigate the universe of doctor who on this episode martin chats with writer phil ford about his novelization of the waters of mars
1: before we get into this i'm just gonna let you know i'm recovering from a hip replacement so if you're talking and you see me with a really pained expression on my face it's not you (laughs) i just like to get out of the
0: way (laughs) well i'm glad you're on the men put it that way <laughs> <laughs> and just keep taking the painkillers
1: yes yeah i've got all my tramadol right here with me so you're here to talk about the novelization of the waters of mars yeah received the book yet um, you haven't. it's on the way so, let's hope so
0: how did this project come to be i just got a phone call <laughs> well an email um just asking me if i was gonna if i wanted to do it and of course um I jumped at it. But, uh, yeah. But um it was uh, it was a a joy to write the first time round and uh, and 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 this time without Russell Larry would be a joy again. That's not to say <laughs> that he wants to it wasn't <laughs> I love working with Russell. So uh, t- um but uh, yeah yeah so it was um it was great. I mean it it was shocking to think that it was um 2009. And, and all the water that had gone under the bridge since then. Um, and I'd not actually watched it since it first went out. so um so so that was something. and then um I had to ask Gary Russell, who was a script editor at, at the time, if it by any chance had a copy of the of the script that was, you know the shooting script and um, and within a couple of hours Jack Gary bless him came up with every draft of <laughs> the script <laughs> so um yes yeah, but it was uh, it was nice going back to it all
1: what's the process like when you're adapting your own kind of screenplay
0: um it's it, it's simply a matter of refreshing myself on 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 what we'd done the first time around really then, because obviously it's a novel, so it's um, the there are certain things that you can do that you couldn't do in the you know, when and the, with the screenplay, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, and, and and the the you have a, you have a greater landscape in some ways. I mean, when you when you do the um uh the the actual TV version of it, I think. You know, you got basically 45 minutes an hour, whichever it was, I can't quite remember, um, in, in which to tell that story. And with um the novel, you have scope to go into different areas that you, you know, simply by the you know, by the, the, the speed with which a story is told on television, you couldn't do. Um so so that was quite good fun.
1: Were you able to reincorporate stuff you had to cut for various reasons?
0: I didn't because um I I, I to be honest i wanted to stick as closely to the the version that has actually gone out sure. um, with a few embellishments really i suppose um so you the, in and if you read the novel you will find certain things which which are not in the book one of my favorite parts of of of, of writing the book was adelaide's story i mean as as we know in the in the in the, the screenplay um that she her life is really set on its course by that uh encounter that she has with uh, with the dalek at her bedroom window during the uh, events of the stolen earth yeah um and one of the things i immediately you know i wanted to do was to to look more deeply into that so there's a whole adventure for young adelaide that leads up to that point which which of course we don't have any yeah and 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 writing that was was a, a huge um thrill for me it, just, uh, it it's it, as i say i think it's possibly one of my favorite parts of the book but the other thing that the 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 going back going back to the uh the episode is that you you see it in in a different way and i mean i i when i as i said i hadn't watched waters of mars since it had first gone out because that's just I don't tend to re-watch stuff that I've written um and uh, when I watched it back and watched the um the sequence, the, the scene where um the doctor is about to leave uh Bowie he's in the and he's in the in' in the airlock and there's a conversation between him and Adelaide mm. he's in the airlock and she's in her her uh, command station um uh, over video and I I just forgotten just how intense that scene was and uh and after, after i watched it i i texted russell say say you know i just watched that scene it made me cry oh. <laughs> and he came back and said someone's having far too much of a good thing <laughs> <laughs> and i did it was a blast writing it it really was
1: yeah it's a really emotional moment that moment mm. I, it, I, I, it, I will say now it is my favorite david tennant era episode oh that's nice thank you you won a Hugo award for this? Didn't you?
0: Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I did. Yes. Uh, well, might not miss me, but, uh, <laughs> it, um, it was also Russell and Graham as well. Do they give you one each or do you have to split custody? Uh, no, it's, it's about, um, four feet away from, it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so, can you, uh, oh, there, very there, nice. it is, there it is.
1: <laughs> so how, how did you approach writing in pro style as opposed to
0: writing for television? Um, I don't really know that the approach was any different. To be honest, um, I think the, ma- the main thing is that um, what I wanted to do was to set the story in context um, because the the, the 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 episode itself, although it happens after the 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 Doctor has been um, told that his song is is coming to an end, um, and and of course that has. A bearing on on the whole Time Lord victorious thing, um, which was entirely Russell's you know wow. thing when he when he did his his draft on it. Um, I in in the episode the Doctor just kind of rocks up on uh, on Mars. Yeah, I kind of really wanted to give him a reason for being oh. there, and so and so the um, when we find the Doctor, the the Doctor is basically has gone to Mars to find some time and space to um to get his head around the fact that he's his this particular incarnation may well be coming to an end um and and he's chosen a particular time when he knows that um that there'll be nobody there mm. unless the tardis gets it wrong um and and so that's a you know it's kind of the meanest trick the tardis has ever played on the doctor <laughs> when it shows up at this at this fixed point in time so um But, I mean, in in terms... I I suppose that there's a different approach. It's the fact that you can look inside the heads of people. Mm. Obviously, is much more difficult to do um, uh, on television. Um, Although we hope that that, that, that what's going on in their heads to some extent comes over in what they say. But obviously, you can do it um, more colourfully, if you like, um, in in terms of a novel. So there's a lot of that. And also... That going back to the the time Lord Victorious moment, the time the point at which the Doctor realizes um, that he can that basically there's nobody left to run time. Time is his now, and he'll do whatever he wants to. Um, I mean, that's all dealt with fairly quickly on screen. You know, he's just walk He's he's, he's walking away from the. Uh, from, from Bowie Base One and is hearing all of the catastrophe that's going on inside the his helmet and the rocket explodes and everything. Uh, but really, in terms of a, a novel, you have to really get inside the doctor's head and make that work yeah. in, a, in a way that perhaps is easier to do on TV. So uh, so that was interesting. Um, but um, But, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the way you go about it, um, it's telling a story, and that's what I do, you know. And it's and it's telling a story just like you're telling a story on TV. Can you remember
1: the moment you decided you wanted to be a storyteller? <laughs> um,
0: the moment, yeah, I was. I was about nine years old. <laughs> the only the only thing I've ever been any good at is writing, to be honest. <laughs> um, and that's really all I've ever wanted to do. Mm. Um, and when I was at junior school, I wrote my first um story with chapters it was called mission to saturn <laughs> that could be an episode of doctor who right there <laughs> um well don't forget i was watching doctor who as, like as a kid at that time well so, you know um and um yeah that's all i'd ever really wanted to do um and but when i when i kind of when i grew up and i should say as well that i was always very encouraged by my teachers mm. um uh to write uh, stories as well, um, and at junior school, I I remember often having to get up, stand up on my chair, and read out my my stories to the rest of the class. Um, which you know, some kids would have hated, but I loved. <laughs> so, so I so I kind of think I always knew that, that was what I was going to do. Um, but I mean, I I grew up in a Midlands mining town, and um, and people from there didn't go and work in television and films, or even write novels or whatever. Um, so, but, but they just might become journalists. So that's what I did. I became a journalist because I didn't really think there was anything else I could do. and And I was a journalist for ten years, and I probably realized inside the first ten days that um, that writing isn't what journalism's about. You know, journalism's about um meeting people, getting on with people, learning about people, asking questions. Um, and listening to the answers and those are all the things that journalism's about and and the and the writing comes at the end um, but effectively you don't really need to be a great writer to be a great journalist because it's really what other people say um that that that, that, that makes that you a good journalist and getting that down but um, but yes yeah, so I was a I was I was in terms of storytelling um you know, I was a journalist for for 10 years and then I went into advertising but at some point you know i um i i never stopped writing stories right. uh, and but although it wasn't until i got a writers block um, during that time um when I, I was still a journalist at the time um and um i'd been writing stories and stuck, I just couldn't think of anything else to do anything else to write and so then just really to get out of that writers block i decided to write a television script um uh, which was the thing about a retired detective who lived on an arrowboat?
1: <laughs> um, that actually sounds like a real thing. That could that could be his affectation.
0: Yeah. Well, that was kind of was why I did it. And you know, <laughs> um, and, um, you know I, I, I showed it to a few people, and effectively, that was that was what got me into writing. It wasn't that script that actually got me an agent, but it was that thing. That was the thing that got me interested in in writing for television and writing more. Um, stories for television, more kind of screenplays rather than novels, which is what I had been writing unsuccessfully. Um, so, so yeah, that was that was kind of how it happened.
1: Do you mean the skills you learnt as a journalist helped when it came to writing other characters because you you have to get into someone else's head?
0: Yeah, massively. Um, I mean, uh, the, and it's not just that. I mean, the the other thing is writing to a deadline, which is something that when you uh, work in television you have to do, and over the years, it seemed to me that the most of the people who are really good at working for deadlines in television are writers who used to be journalists. <laughs> <laughs> many of the journalists are, are, are uh, many of the writers rather. Um, uh, well, I think we all are to some extent, uh, in uh, tend to procrastinate. I know I do sometimes, but I've never missed, a, I've never really missed a deadline, I don't think. Uh, and I think that goes for um, most writers who were journalists Um, but yeah but the other thing is it it teaches you how to research Mm. um, and you know kind of know the questions to ask and just simply by fact of, of of being a journalist for however many years you you come into into contact with a lot of different people people from all sorts of different walks of life and inevitably those people or a version of them will show up in something that you're writing along the way maybe even years later mm-hmm. i certainly i certainly know that there are people that, that i've met that have shown up in 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 my writing that um uh even one of my old editors <laughs> from the <my> newspaper days <laughs> showed up a couple of times and stuff that I've written. <laughs> uh, I won't tell him what happened to him.
1: <laughs> Maybe marketing helped as well with like packaging ideas.
0: I think so. I mean, I think we're we're all, you know, the result of, of our past experiences. You know, whatever it is you do, whether you're a journalist or, or whether you're a, whether you're a script writer or it doesn't really matter you know you you could you could you could sell sweets in a sweet shop to some extent you're still you know the the experiences that you had before made you that person you know and and the way that you sell sweet sweets in a sweet shop may well be due to your experiences buying sweets in a sweet shop when you were a kid I don't know but you know these things you know they they all make you and and yes certainly I know that I'm I'm shaped in a, in a in a strong way in terms of my writing by what I used to do.
1: Oh, what part of the Midlands are you from? My uh,
0: in-laws are from Wolverhampton. I'm I'm from uh, Hensford originally, okay. so not that part of Wolverhampton. Yeah, yeah. And of course, I did my training as a journalist in Wolverhampton on the Express
1: and Star. Excellent. So you also wrote for Tortured and obviously the Sarah Jane Adventures. If you had to pick an episode of each of those to give a target novelization to. <laughs>
0: gosh um well on, on on sarah jane possibly the day of the clown yes good choice um on um on 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 torchwood i would have to say something borrowed because i wrote it yep, you're one <laughs> <laughs> they
1: should do target novelizations for torchwood
0: well of course they did well they didn't do novelizations, they did torchwood novels yeah yeah, I did. I did one of those. I did wrote Skypoint, which which was actually based, Skypoint was actually based on an idea that I, my first idea that I had for Torchwood when I, when I first went in and pitched ideas. So, um, but yeah, they, they, they should, I agree. They should. I'm all for plenty of novelizations, me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like working on Torchwood, is it similar to working on the Sarah Jane adventures or is just the approach just slightly different?
0: is the approach that's slightly different. I mean, I, uh, I've been asked before, you know, is it, do you write differently for, you know, for if you're doing Torchwood, which is you know, arguably more adult uh, than when you were doing Sarah Jane? And you just, you, you use the same toolbox, you know, really. Um, it's just that um, there are things that you can do in Torchwood that you can't do in uh in sarah jane or you wouldn't do sarah jane i mean particularly my tortured episode which was which was about when being made pregnant by a monster (laughs) that was never going to happen in sarah jane Um, ronnie gets him pregnant (laughs) you can't really (laughs) (laughs) but um but you you say that but of course you know uh, uh, i'm sure you know the 13th floor which became Uh. a salient story was originally intended as a as a story for uh, for Rani and Clyde, you know, that wow. they 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 find themselves trapped in this other universe and they're there for 20 odd years and they have a child. Right. Um you know R- Russell Lessim was al- was always of the opinion that there is no story that you can't write for children. You know, it's just a question of how you yeah. write that story. So um you know and I, I remember when I when I did the um when I wrote the thirteenth floor for Sarah Jane Adventures. Um, you know, I remember ringing him up and saying, you know, I've, look, I've, "I've come to the end of this, but the only final ending is just so bleak because <laughs> they have to lose the child." Yeah, um, and um, and Russell says, "Make it bleak, <laughs> as bleak as you can make it." I love bleak um, uh, because you know I I, th- I think we we didn't try to to shy away from. From difficult situations in those stories which is kind of what made them more sophisticated sure. than possibly some other um kids tv you know um which uh which i think is a great thing
1: yeah my son he's 15 now but he watched wizards versus aliens he loved it oh cool good. yeah and my daughter's just discovered. she's 11 she's just discovered the sarah jane adventures so she's working her way through those
0: that's oh, great that's good yeah. I hope they enjoy.
1: Well, they are. They are so far. I mean, you, you've you also worked on soap operas like Coronation Street. I think you famously did a couple of years
0: there. I did five years there, yeah. Five years, 86 episodes.
1: <laughs> I would find it so stressful writing for a soap opera because you've got all these different characters that are all interconnected. In the writer's room, is there like a whiteboard with how everybody's related written on it? Or are you keeping that all straight in your head as you're? you're
0: doing it? We we all kind of kept that that straight in our heads, really. Uh, there was um, I have to say, of course, that the writers' room on Coronation Street was on Coronation Street. Oh wow! It, it was a, it was the top floor. It was the upper floor along the <laughs> along the side of the of the houses. Um, but no, I think I think we all just knew the show so well. Um, really, there there were people that we had storyliners and 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 someone who was kind of like an archivist um yeah. because obviously sometimes you would talk about stories which would um which the past would impact and you want not want to get that kind of thing wrong um but um but generally you know we were all as it gen- as it always works in these things if you're fans of the show that you're working on you know um, you know you do kind of know uh, the history and and the backgrounds of people um and we were all kind of steeped in coronation street i think i mean there, I mean, there were, when, when i was there there were the, well when i started there there was certainly one writer there who had been there from the beginning oh wow or when it started um and there were a couple of other writers there that had been that had been there for decades as well so fellows um, of the script world Absolutely, you know, and it was a, it was a it was a it was a good thing as well. It was a good thing to have that kind of continuity there. Hmm. Do you prefer writing for any one type
1: of genre or or medium, or does it all just kind of scratch a different kind of creative
0: itch? I think I think at the end of the day it does all scratch different creative itches, but obviously, I do like to do fantasy one sort of, hmm. one or another um because that was really what I came into the business to do. Oh. uh you know i uh, all of those stories that i'd written as a child were ba- were basically science fiction or some fo- some form of fantasy or horror but as i say some form of fantasy um and when i when i came into the business in the early 90s um there wasn't an awful lot of that on, on telly i mean there's no doctor who for a startup yeah um and we we hadn't had a we hadn't even had a science fiction show i don't think on british television for a decade or something like that maybe um but um so nobody could have been more shocked than me to get my first gig on taggart uh when it was still a three-parter um and and then coronation street you know taggart because a detective show is so much about plotting and intricate and and coronation street because it was a soap and i'd grow i'd grown up with it um you know my mom had always been a big fan of of coronation street um, but I'd never expected to 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 write for it. But I did take to it very well. I enjoyed it. excellent
1: What's the process like in writing a detective show? Are you constantly talking with the other writers of the series to see what's coming up and what you're impacting? or is that something that a script editor sorts out?
0: Um, I think it's, I think every show has a different way of doing it. I mean, when I did taggart um the only other writer that was that that i that I spoke to was Glenn Chandler, who was the creator of it um, at, at the time um, but actually I don't think I even spoke to him during the process of actually writing it it was just me the script editor and the producer really um, and they were so patient with me on Tackett as well my first gig is a three-hour gig and every time I'd go in for in for a meeting I was expected to get fired on it <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's a big show
1: as well that would that was a huge show that must have been nerve-wracking
0: it was I didn't find it nerve-wracking at all. I loved it. It was, I was just, I was just so amazed to um to, to get the gig and so thankful to get the gig. Um, but it was, as I say, you know, it was it was it's it's a plotting gig in many ways because you, you need to know pretty much before you start who the who the killer is, really. Oh. And then and then there's the whole process of of handling the killer through the story, but not making it obvious that he or she is the killer. Yeah. Um, and throwing you particularly with Taggart, because it's what it was famous for, all those red herrings as well. Um, um, I'm sure I do make a better job of it now than mm. I did then. Um, I mean, I, I I not so long ago I watched it again and uh the or the mood because you know they always used to do those movie versions of them. Mm. Um uh which Cuts out about an hour of, of of the story, so it's remarkable that you managed to hang together and make you know. And and I I still wince at <laughs> some of the stuff that's in it. I really do. And I also I also learned um one of the most basic lessons for writing on on that show, and that's that if it isn't if it isn't in the script, it doesn't go on screen. Because in that in that tag it was it was about a bodybuilding drug that made people go a little bit too Sure. And the first scene um, is set in in a um a Viking exhibition in a museum in Glasgow. And one of the security guards smashes open this, this glass case and takes out this Viking helmet and puts it on and then goes rampaging with a with an axe. Now, in my head, because I'd always from the very start, I'd known that this story was going to open with somebody going nuts and rampaging with an axe or a knife or um and when i had the idea of making it a um uh a security guard in a, in a in a museum in my head i had seen um him rip his tunic off and so he was running around with this helmet on his head and and a and an axe bare-chested i mean it was called berserker mm. and that's what bers- berserkers did but I never put that in the script. Uh, I never thought to write. He rips his tunic off. So so this guy smashes the the, the 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 cabinet, puts the the helmet on. There's blood everywhere because he's cut himself when he's when he smashes the the glass cabinet, and he goes off rampaging with this um, with this axe. But he's doing it still dressed as a, sec- a security guard, and it just looks so pants. <laughs> 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 I don't think. It- why did i did i i've always known these, why didn't i put it in the script you know it's kind of one of
1: those things where you you don't explain something to someone because you think it's simple
0: well yeah, well, 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 maybe that's the case and, and of course i was very inexperienced it was my first gig you know um so um but i just put it down to inexperience um, you know, uh, clearly he didn't look ridiculous to the director <laughs> um but uh, it's just i think it's probably just me because that was the way that i'd always seen it but i had failed to, to enshrine it <laughs> in the script so um uh, so yeah um but, that, but i mean that is one of the things when you're talking about what well, is obvious you know really you can never you can never um be sure that people will read your script and 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 well, they they won't see the things that you that you don't put in it. So you really do have to be careful in terms of, you know, if you see something, if you want something doing a certain way or whatever, you have to stick it in the script. Even if when it when it comes to being made, the director does it a different way. Hmm. And generally a better way. But um even even that will have been dictated by what's in your script. So
1: what's the collaborative process like when you're co-writing something?
0: As it as it was with uh, with Russell on, on, on Waters of Mars well um in many ways it was just the same as as it was with um just doing a script that wasn't a collaboration with mm-hmm. you, you you write a script and you go in for a meeting with the script editor the producer um and um and then there's feedback from that you go away and you consider that feedback you don't necessarily always follow every one of the suggestions that are made if you but you've got to have a good reason for why you don't do that yeah uh, so I mean so in terms of Waters of Mars um Russell and I met up down at down in in uh, in Cardiff Bay um for a coffee and he talked I don't I'd already come up with this one idea which had been which had been more of a fantasy idea which he didn't like and then he came back and he was saying so he wanted to do something that was set on Mars near future so he wanted to do it so effectively, so it was 50 years in the future. So the kids were watching it today would know that they would still yeah. be around when the events of what was due to happen on Mars but you know in that world would be happening. Um and around that time, NASA had announced that they'd found the first evidence that there was probably water on Mars. Um so the waters of Mars kind of the title wrote itself. Um so then I went I went away and um obviously we must have discussed the story and I'd go away and write a, a an outline about, uh, for what it was going to be we'd come back and talk about that then I go so basically I would I think on, I think on Waters of Mars I wrote four drafts of it mm. um and and those drafts were informed by conversations that I would have with with Russell when we had those meetings and but because and, and during those drafts because initially Waters of Mars was going to be a Christmas episode oh right and uh yeah there was a bunch of Christmas episodes that were talked about for for, for that year um and then after I finished doing my drafts, uh they decided that to, actually it wasn't going to be a Christmas episode so on Russ on Russell's first draft it was well it wasn't all about me, but he but thankfully he was the one that had to take all the Christmas stuff out of it, <laughs> rather than me um um and um, and so then russell did i think two drafts on it after that which was when he brought in the genius of the uh of the uh, of the time lord victorious um i mean i because in my version of it um the doctor brought adelaide back to back to earth and uh and she lived happily ever after when <laughs> i first heard that she was going to commit suicide I said, you can't do that <laughs> uh, but of course, it was genius and it and it worked so well. Yeah. Uh, and and that was that that whole end section of of the story was is another one of my favorite parts of the novel, going back into that. And because obviously that was something which was all Russell's. Russell did all of the time, Lord Victoria's stuff and everything. So for me, it was great to, to go in there and play around with that and, and in in doing the Time Lord Victorious thing, getting inside the doctor's head. Um, um, so, so yeah, that was another reason that I really wanted to do the novel.
1: I guess obviously because you're not worried about it interconnecting with other novels, cause they don't know which episodes are going to get target novelizations. So I imagine you were a bit freer to kind of do your own thing with this one.
0: Well, in, well to, to some extent, but I just, I, I wanted to say, I wanted to set it in context. So I, before I wrote it, I watched. Um, obviously, I watched the Waters of Mars. I watched Planet of the Dead as well, Planet of the Ood, um, um, and uh, the uh, the Stolen Earth. Um, and I asked questions of Gary about a few other episodes as well, um, because because the events on Mars are really kind of tied in to all of those things that are that happen around it as well. So I I, I don't. I, I think I use them as canon, really, rather than, you know, going off and use, doing my own, my own thing. Mm. Um, there are certain things. in. I mean, there's, there is one thing in it as well, which when I told Russell that I was doing it, he came back to me like that and said, you've got to do this. <laughs> so, so that, which I won't spoil it by telling you what it is, does happen in it. <laughs> but... Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So um, no, I I, I I just I wanted to be true to the story that we'd already told, hmm. quite honest, Um and and just revisit it and show things that that we couldn't or or weren't able to for one reason or another on the TV screen. I mean, one of the things as well that it, that it frees you up to do because it was, as far as I'm aware, the only time that um that they stopped filming on it because when we were making it because it was decided that the flood looked too scary oh um the it was the eyes um right. when we were making i'm sure it was Russell or Julie um but they, they they were seeing the dailies and um and the eyes they thought because you know if you can remember there was just kind of these white oars with little pinprick um uh iris hmm. pupils rather um and um went down on on set and 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 stopped so that when you watch the show um it's only the first two people that that are turned by the flood that have those freaky Mm eye maggie when she when she turns in the isolation tank doesn't it's covered in dialogue um the doctor says something which i can't remember um, uh, about why her eyes haven't haven't changed um but obviously in the in the novel um because no one's going to get freaked out by the by the, yeah. the because they don't see them. They all have freaky eyes, and I remind you that they've got freaky eyes all of the time.
1: <laughs> so, as a writer, do you ever start rewriting? How good are you at just handing something in and being like, "I'm done"?
0: Well, you should ask that. There was a script. There's a script that I that I uh, finished, uh, not Doctor Who, something completely different, um, uh, about two years ago, and and yesterday it's gone off to somebody over the overseas and before i'd let it go i had to go and yet do yet another pass on it <laughs> i'm always it's the, it's the one thing when you you when you as a writer you tend to meet an awful lot of people who say oh I'd, i want to be a writer you know mm-hmm. so i say so oh, what have you written blah 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 um and um hopefully they say yes they have written something because <laughs> <laughs> if you're a writer it's kind of you got to do that mm. uh, and so, and what do you do with it when you've written it? And oh, I always put it away and then return to it. Um, good, good. And when you return to it, what do you think? I say because because basically, it, what it comes down to, if you're as a writer, if you come back, as far as I'm concerned, anyway, when you come back to something after, that you've written, and if you like every word that's there, I'm not a writer. <laughs> a, I've I don't think I've ever uh, written anything. That I've then seen, and I haven't wanted to change something. You know, I think I just, I just think that's that is. I mean, obviously, you are dictated to by th- by the time constraints that mm. you've got. You only have so long to write a script, so you know you t- and you turn the script in in the in the best condition it can be. In. That's what all those meetings with the producers and the and the and the script editor are about to 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 make sure that you, you you know that that they you cultivate the best script. Sure. So we can. Um, but nevertheless, you know, you don't necessarily have to be 100 percent happy with it, which I suppose in a way was another reason I was glad to go back to the waters of Mars because there were things that I could do. Not that I change anything in the in the novelization, but as I say, it's just nice to revisit it and um, and tweak little bits and pieces here and and uh, introduce new stuff.
1: I guess we're all our own worst critics. So it, may, it must be hard
0: Let's to be so. happy.
1: <laughs> happy with something.
0: Well, well yeah, you know. Um I mean don't get me wrong, um whenever I've watched um well certainly all of the stuff that I've ever done in Cardiff, uh, uh everything that in the in the in the Doctor Who world, um I've always been more than happy with what's ended up on screen often because it's so much better than I'd seen it in my head when I was writing it and that and that's down to the very talented people that we have always have working on those shows did you ever get to interact with
1: Liz Sladen at all
0: yeah I used to see Liz a lot you know I mean she because we would we would have um table reads um on on every episode that we did and uh Liz was fab. She really was. And she was and she was like the heart and soul of the show. Yeah. Well, I mean, she she plays that kind of mother figure, as Sarah Jane. And, and 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 that's kind of what she was on set. You know? yeah. so, certainly as regards the the younger actors that were that were on it. But she was just such a magical person. I mean, I mean, she was one of my companions when I was a kid growing up. You know, so um, I've I've always said how I've I've been really lucky in 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 my career uh, because I've always been like a kid playing in the sandbox. You know, I because I, I did Captain Scarlet and Captain Scarlet was my favorite Jerry Anderson show, and I got I got to do the the CGI version of that, so it was wonderful to do. You know, and and when I was watching Doctor Who as a kid, I would never imagine. I could never have imagined at the time that when I grew up, I'd actually write it, you know, and as I say. And Sarah Jane was was my was my companion uh, at the time, and uh, and who would who would ever have imagined that I would be? I'd wind up working with Liz, you know, uh, and you know, and, and bringing Sarah Jane back for a whole new generation, you know. So it's um, so I've kind of been blessed like that, really. For most of that show, Russell was in LA, right? um i wouldn't say he was over there for most of it he was over there probably he was certainly in la for the last series that we did i can't quite remember when he was because it was because he was in la when he rang me to tell me that uh this was ill Um so sorry you were yeah but anyway yeah
1: <laughs> how difficult is it making a show with someone when they're eight hours behind
0: um it never, I, I don't i don't remember it really being an issue and of course he was he was, you um, know, it never was an issue, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Russell likes to work, so, you know, so the clock doesn't necessarily have an awful lot to do with it. Um, uh, but having said that, I don't remember us ever having um, Zoom meetings at, um, at in mid midday in L.A. when it would have been midnight over here or whatever it would have been. Well, um, I mean, we, we made it work. We made it work. Um but, uh, but I think Russell was, yeah, I'm pretty sure that Russell was over here for most of Sarah J because of course he was still doing Doctor Who as well. Oh, yeah. But, um, uh, yeah.
1: All right. I know you've got a lot of these, so I'll ask you one more question. This must be like a weird kind of speed dating for you, actually, these these interviews.
0: <laughs> well, actually, there was one I should have been doing beforehand, but they never sent me the link, so I haven't been able oh. to do it. So. Oh, fair enough. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> if you could pick any character from the history of Doctor Who to give a spin-off to, who would oh you
0: pick? Oh, oh had he still been with us um, uh, the brigadier oh yes For sure i would have loved to i mean, I, again, that was cuz of course um we had him uh uh in enemy of the bane i think it was yeah um, and just sitting at the at the at the at the at the the table table the read through. When he opened his mouth to speak those first lines, I just remember a chill running up and down my spine. It was amazing. Yeah, such a great voice. Oh, he, it, he has such a fabulous voice. He really. Yeah. I rem I remember when we were filming uh that episode. I got called to his trailer. What was this about? And he said, "I just want to let you know that you've got the brigadier off." perfectly <laughs> I like, well i grew up with you so i should have done
1: is it true that the first draft had martha jones
0: it is true it is true yes i'm not sure how much we actually talk about that but, so <laughs> but, but, uh, yes yes it did it, it did and um i don't think she was available i can't actually remember how when you say the first I, was this or oh, it may have been the 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 first draft as the the outline for it yeah. uh. I can't remember at what point she wasn't available, but then I, I, I'm, I'm sure it was Russell who said, we, oh, we're going to, we're going to, how about using the the Brigadier? In fact, music to my ears. You know, it, uh, yeah. Now I, now I couldn't imagine that story with, with Martha in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. The Brigadier, definitely.
1: And you got to give fandom exactly what they've wanted since Doctor Who came back. They wanted to see the Brigadier again and you got to give it to them.
0: Well, yes, yes. I just wish we were able to do it again. <laughs> but, uh, I remember I I did draft an outline for a, uh, a a wartime story which would have um featured the brigadier's parents um down in uh, when something was going on down in the um, in the London underground during the blitz. But, uh, so it, would, amazing. it would have been quite fun, but uh, As always, not everything comes to fruition.
1: All right, Phil, you've been so generous with your time, so I'm going to let you get
0: on. Thank you so much for doing this. You're very, very welcome, and I'm glad you weren't in too much pain. (laughs) Thank you.
1: (laughs) Okay, how great was that? I'd just like to once again thank Phil for his time, and thanks to BBC Books for arranging that interview. Sorry for any sound issues in there. We recorded it on Zoom, and Zoom is terrible podcast audio i'd just like to remind you all that the novelizations for the waters of mars planet of the oud warriors gate and the zygon invasion are out on the 13th of july the next episode will be an interview with stephen gallagher out next sunday talking about the release of his target novelization warriors gate
0: thank you for listening to running down corridors please consider leaving us a five-star review on your podcast app of choice